Hello, thank you for joining us for this graduate research discussion with Jamie Gemmell on the Anglo-Atlantic world in the late 17th century. Thanks, Jamie, for participating in our project. Can you introduce yourself for our audience? Hello, thanks for having me. My name is Jamie Gemmell and I'm an interdisciplinary historian of racialization and coloniality in the 17th century Anglo-Atlantic world. I've just submitted a master by research thesis titled Processes of Racialization, Slavery and Colonialism in the 17th century Atlantic world. I'm a history graduate of the University of Edinburgh and former editor-in-chief of Retrospect, the University of Edinburgh student-led history, classics and archaeology journal. Great, so can you tell me about your research? Uh, yeah, my research is relatively broad, um, but I'm primarily concerned with questions of racialization and coloniality in the early modern Atlantic world, and um, specifically the Anglo-Atlantic world. Um, and for the past year, I've been working on a project that traces the relationship between the processes of racialization, enslavement, and colonization in the late 17th century Anglo-Atlantic world. Um, I draw on interdisciplinary approach, approaches to race and racialization, and have tried to bring together um, the historiography is concerned with, on the one hand, the intellectual history of race, and on the other hand, the history of Atlantic slavery and the African diaspora. Um, bridging these literatures, I've tried to centre both the violence that constitutes early modern racialization and the ways in which African people and people of African descent thought, strategised and lived in the genesis of racialization, colonisation and enslavement in the late 17th century. Great, so uh, what were the main arguments and interventions that you made in your research project? Um, so, so I guess the main the main arguments, well, I, I guess I kind of approached it with this a dissatisfaction with how historians, specifically intellectual historians, had um, examined questions of race in, in the early modern period. Um, they tended to focus on kind of scientific treaties and, and questions about skin colour and, and travel narratives and things like that. Um, and it perhaps neglected a bit the kind of the social realities of, of race and racialization during this period. Um, so one of the key things, arguments I tried to make in, in the dissertation is to, to really bring out these the social realities of racialization on, on, the, on the Caribbean plantation or in the city of London or, or, or Suriname is the other space I kind of focus on. Um, so to do that, um, I've really drawn on more interdisciplinary approaches to race. So, so not just drawing on history, um, drawing on other disciplines like black studies or colonial studies, to think differently about, about the way that um, race functions, tending to think of race more as a process rather than an ontology or a state of being. Okay, so I see in your research that uh, you use different examples and case studies of individuals that are moving around in this transatlantic world. Uh, I was wondering if you had any interest in case studies that you'd like to share with us. Yeah, so kind of the biggest person at the centre of my work is a it's difficult to describe exactly who she is. She's called Afra Ben, um, and she lives during the, the 17th century. Um, she's a restoration playwright. She's an author. She's a propagandist. Um, she was occasionally a spy, um, and she moves around the the Anglo-Atlantic world, um, spending spending a little bit of time in Suriname. Um, but spending most of her life in London. Um, and it was her time in Suriname which really, really interested me. So in 1688, um, Afro Ben publishes a fictional narrative um, titled Orinoco, which is essentially about two, two enslaved people who um, fall in love in, in the space of Suriname and end up, and end up both dead at the end of it. Um, this text, it really, really interested me um, from a very specific part of it, which is when the two, the two protagonists of the novel, um, Orinoco and Amoinda, and decide to organize a slave rebellion in, in the colony of Suriname. 
and the reason that they want to to um to, to start this slave rebellion is obviously to get their freedom but specifically it's to it's it's at a moment when the mind becomes pregnant um so i think what this really did for me especially when you read it alongside like feminist approaches to to um slavery is think about reproduction and the relationship between racialization re reproduction and inheritability it, and so i noticed you, you call uh or you title the focus the Anglo-Atlantic world, and it seems like you're focusing on the Caribbean and uh, West Africa. So I was wondering what what made you choose these locations uh, for your focus. Mm. Well, part of it was about my own capabilities, <laughs> so I can only speak English. Um, I'm trying to learn Spanish, but my English focus meant I was I was kind of confined to the Anglo-Atlantic world, and I also thought. Um, rather than say focusing on the Anglo-Caribbean, for example, or or just West Africa specifically, I wanted to try and draw out questions which emerge when you hold different Atlantic spaces together. Um, so in, the, in this case, it was London, it was Barbados, and it was Suriname specifically. And I wanted to try and see if you hold these two places, these three places together, what sort of questions emerge and how can we shift perspectives? And uh... Do you incorporate uh, North America into your focus as well, or are you uh, staying on that kind of uh, Caribbean area? Mm -hmm. So far, I've, I've actually kind of neglected North America, um, which is maybe partly due to the influence of my my supervisor, um, Diana Payton. Um, so when I first was taught by Professor Payton, um, she introduced me to a course via on Atlantic slavery, and we very deliberately didn't read any texts about North America. Um, kind of to shift the focus in, into this more Caribbean perspective. Um, so I think as I go into, into PhD applications, think about scaling this research up, I think I want to bridge into, into North American colonies. But I think it's, it's really important to focus on the Caribbean um, during this period, especially because in the, in the late 17th century, the Caribbean is really the centre of, of the early, uh, the early um, British Empire. Um, it's where, it's where the, the crown has its focus. Um, it's where investors have their focus. And it's where the majority of enslaved people from West Africa are actually going. Um, so if we want to learn about the histories of these enslaved people, if we want to learn about the nature of coloniality during this period, I think you've really got to focus on the Caribbean. Um, and, I, and then on the other hand, I wanted to really open up the space to, to London and um, 17th century England itself, because I think sometimes we can, we can insert kind of a strong dividing line between, between what happens in the Americas and what happens in Europe. And I really wanted to bring those two things together. Um, and again, Afra Ben helps you to do this because she has this time in Suriname, but she also has this time in England, and she's clearly informed by both of those perspectives. Um, so yeah, so I thought it was really important to, to think about this on an Atlantic scale. So, um, you know, world history is a, a very complex and challenging kind of idea to apply to research topics. Uh, I was wondering what have been the main challenges for you, as well as the benefits of doing this uh, transnational global history? I guess the most difficult thing is, is making sure that you're kind of grounded in each space well enough that you can, you can, you can write about that space with, with some kind of authority. Um, so that was the chance. I had to do a lot of reading about a lot of different areas. So I had to kind of get a grounding in, in what Restoration London was like. I had, to, I had to understand what it was like in Barbados and what it was like in Jamaica. And then I had to think about Suriname and South America. And then I had to think about West Africa. So it's, it's how do you get that, get that big grounding? Um, but I think what, 
what it opens up is that you can follow individuals across spaces because most of the time these people aren't confined to one area. Um, so as I've said, Afro-Ben, she travels around a lot. Um, enslaved people themselves travel around a lot. Um, so Simon Newman, in some of his recent work, has been looking at enslaved people who were born in West Africa, likely were forcibly transported to Barbados, and then actually brought into 17th century London um, by plantation owners, um, and essentially used as, as objects of wealth within, within those households. Um, so yeah, so I think on the one hand, it's, it's about how do you ground yourself, but on the other hand, it opens this way to kind of ask new questions and, and follow the sources across different spaces. Great. So what were the, off the top of your head, main books that helped give you a good uh, situational overview of the history of these, these areas? Mm -hmm. um, I guess this partly is about citation and politics. So I just, I've got a list here, actually, of, of authors who I'd really urge people to go out and, and read. These people write a lot better than I do about, about these subjects um, and beyond these subjects. Um, so I've got Vincent Brown, Marissa Fuentes, Sadia Hartman, Catherine McKittrick, um, Jennifer Morgan, um, Diana Payton, uh, Christina Sharp, Stephanie Smallwood, um, Michelle Rolf Trio and, and Sylvia Winter. These are all some of them historians, some of them more black studies scholars, interdisciplinary scholars who've really informed my work. Um, and I'd really urge people to, to, look, to look at these perspectives. Okay, so what sources did you use to delve into this history? Yeah, so I used quite a lot of sources um, and a range of different types of sources, which again, proved its own challenges. Um, so for the Caribbean, I was mainly looking at state documents and letters, um, which are now housed online in the colonial state papers. Um, I looked at literary things, so, so Afro Ben's novels, um, pieces of art, portraiture, century portraits, um, trial records and, and pamphlets that like newspaper cuttings. So go for the, the final question now, which is always assumed as we talk, which is that this history matters. This is early modern history, it was a long time ago. So when for this kind of presentist audience, often modern historians, how would you justify that this history is relevant for the 21st century? Um, this is always a challenging thing to answer. Um, I guess what I'd really kind of emphasise is not many historians focus on the 17th century. It's, it's kind of a neglected space. But I think if you're going to think about racialization and you're going to think about coloniality, especially from a, from, a British, from a British perspective, these are when a lot of these things are coming into formation, when they're just getting started, really. Um, and I think because that's been so neglected so far, we really need to kind of focus on this period. Um, so Jennifer Morgan does this in her recent book, Reckoning with Slavery. She's pushed, she pushes the periodization back to think about these ideas in Genesis. Um, because on the one hand, it helps you think about where the modern world comes from. How, how does white supremacy um, and race, which is still here today, how, where does that come from? But on the other hand, it allows, it, I think it gives you more space within the archive to see glimpses of something else. Um, so you can look, you, you get a little bit more from enslaved people themselves. And this is especially the case for, for African people and people of African descent living in London. Um, you get a little bit of space to glimpse what their lives were like, which you may not get in the 18th century when these structures are a lot more um, concrete and, and fully formed. Great response. Um, 
So I'll conclude there. So thank you very much, Jamie, for taking the time to share your work with us. I hope it was useful for you to reflect on it and to share it with a public audience. Uh, as well for the listeners, I hope it was interesting to hear about this Anglo-Atlantic world in the late 17th century. Thank you. Thank you for having me.